expand your world and realize every challenge that's ever been brought to me has made me more. I've become more so I can serve more, so I can enjoy more. That's why we're here in this life, to bring more good, more great, to bring insight, to bring strength, to bring action. That's why we're here. Welcome to the Tony Robbins Podcast. You're listening to an episode that's part of a special season on contribution, force for good. We're exploring the 10 gifts of life, emotion, drive, growth, joy, gratitude, connection, consciousness, grace, presence, and forgiveness. You'll hear Tony explain each gift, and you'll also hear stories of true heroes who show us how they show up in real life. We hope you enjoy this episode on the gift of drive, or as Tony calls it, hunger. What's in it for me as a philosophy is bankrupt. You look at all the greatness that's created in the world. It's never about you. It's about who you serve. You want to be a great entrepreneur? You have to serve your customers. If you want to be a great teacher, you have to serve your students. If you want to be a great friend, you're serving your friends. And when you move out of that you being as an individual, limited, insecure, greatness doesn't live there. Greatness lives in each other. The voice you just heard was that of Alfred Isayan. Al is the founder of Intellinaire, a company that uses AI and analytics to improve global agriculture in order to help solve the world's food crisis. Al is passionate about using science and technology to greater serve humanity and has committed his life to being a servant leader. His career as an engineer, CEO, serial entrepreneur, environmentalist, and angel investor has been far more about doing good as it has been about financial success. Al is Armenian, but immigrated to the U.S. from Iran at just 13 years old in 1978, just before the Iranian Revolution and the start of the Iran-Iraq War. It was an extremely difficult time for both countries. By its end in 1988, the Iran-Iraq War was one of the longest and bloodiest of the 20th century, with over one million casualties. But Al was driven and determined to succeed in the United States. As Tony says, he was hungry. Hungry to create a better life for himself and all those around him. In fact, when people ask Tony what it takes to succeed in life, the one answer he gives them is hunger. Your hunger determines whether you simply talk about the life you want to live or take action to make that dream a reality. Hunger is what gets you through life's inevitable setbacks. It's what will push you to keep going, even when you think you've failed. It's what will make you stronger and more capable. And like in Al's case, hunger is what pushes you to give more, do more, and be more for others than you can ever imagine. In today's episode, you're going to hear more from Al and about his journey. And you'll also hear from an extraordinary woman named Gabby, who has dedicated the past 20 years of her life to rescuing children from slavery and a life on the streets in Nepal. But first, here's what Tony has to say about hunger and how you can use it as a gift if leveraged in a positive way. What is the single most important ingredient for an extraordinary life? I mean, life on your terms, a life of fulfillment, a life of meaning. I believe the answer is hunger. People ask me all the time, Tony, you work with some of the most successful people in the world in sports, entertainment, and business. You know, people started with nothing and become multi-billionaires. People have come from the toughest environments and now they entertain the world. You know, what is it they all have in common? Well, don't get me wrong, intelligence is an extraordinary quality and I love wickedly smart people. But you know, I bet you know people just like I do that are wickedly smart but can't fight their way out of a paper bag in real life. 
So as valuable as intelligence is, there are people who seem to have less intelligence, but they get greater impact on what is it? What is that magical force? It's insatiable hunger, that desire to do more, to be more, to give more, to create more. Someone who will not settle for less than they can be, less than they can give, that is power. If you look at somebody, some of the greatest, most successful business people in the world, I don't care if it's uh, Richard Branson, anybody you can think of, Richard Branson is as driven today, Sir Richard, as he's known as today. He's such a beautiful soul. Everything's give it a go. He's as hungry and driven today in his late 60s as he was when he was 16 years old, starting virgin in a crypt in a cemetery. I mean, that is why he's Richard Branson. Anybody you can think of, somebody in business, somebody that you know personally, that you feel an energy from. That energy is this drive, and this drive is hunger. Now, where does it come from? Because you might say, well, Tony, that sounds wonderful, but I don't really feel it. Well, the answer is it comes from pain made very often. It comes from pleasure or pain, but usually pain. In other words, you get hungry for more because something's been missing. I used to remember early in my life, I'd meet people. And, you know, we, I grew up in a pretty tough environment. I meet people that have given everything. They have the most beautiful family. I meet my fourth father, you know, they don't fight. It doesn't seem, at least on the outside, they seem to be so happy. They have tremendous economic advantages. They've got, you know, tremendous education. They got love everywhere and they spend their life going in there to rehab. How do you explain that? And then you see these people who life is kicked in the face, who've been abused mentally, emotionally, physically, and they don't become victims. They don't put that badge out there. They take this drive and say, I don't want anybody else to experience this. And they become something unique. Those are the names we know. Those are the Oprah Winfrey's of the world, right? Well, you know her story. These are, where does her hunger come to keep serving? She doesn't need to do that. What drives her is something more than herself. And so it's not just hunger to lose weight so you can make it to, you know, into a bathing suit for the summer or something. It's not just hunger so you can make a certain amount of money so you can feel okay. It's hunger for something greater than yourself. It's the hunger to serve. It's the hunger to become more. It's the hunger to give more. And I know it's inside you or you wouldn't be listening to this conversation right now. I hope the conversation is stimulating some part of your heart that knows that you're made to be more, do more, and give more, and it's time to wake up. And what does it sometimes is you hit a threshold. I know that's what it was for me. Found myself in this 400 square foot bachelor apartment. You know, a friend knocks on the door I've not seen in years. I got a nice big beer belly, 38 pounds heavier than I am now, scraggly beard, embarrassed out of my mind, not able to pay my rent. Finally, something just, I, I hit this edge where it's like, I know who I am as a man, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, psychologically, is so much more than I'm demonstrating. It's something clicked. And I just never let that hunger disappear again. I have it today. I don't have to work another day of my life. Where am I in this conversation with you? Because I want you to experience your own gifts. They're there. No one needs to give them to me. Tony Robbins didn't give them to you. They're there. They just need to be activated. And my bet is they've been activated because they'd be activated at a higher and deeper level. Why not make the holiday season? The season of massive expansion of growth, of the desire and the hunger to give, to give your joy, not just the presence, to give your love, to bring understanding and meaning to your family and friends, not as someone pontificating, someone who listens and cares and understands and gives people the one thing that very few people have anymore, your complete focused attention, not looking at a text or a TV in the back of the corner, actually being there with those you love. The greatest gift that'll give others really is They'll get to experience you, the real you, the deep you, not the surface you that has to run around and deal with all the stressful events of your life. Please, please give yourself this gift. And during the holidays, maybe have a little time 
by yourself with no stimulation from the outside? Will you just give yourself time to let the whispers of destiny speak to you? Will you ask yourself, what is my life about? But I'm here to, to share, to be, to give. And it doesn't need to be grandiose. I'm not talking about go make a billion dollars or go. It's just, what could you do right now that would be an expression of that hunger? Something to change your body or your mind, your emotions, so that in that change, as you grow, you've got something to give. Look, if you've got a hunger to serve something greater than yourself, you'll never hurt for energy. You'll never hurt for excitement. You'll never hurt for the drive or the ability to push yourself through limitations because we'll all do more for others we love than we'll ever do for ourselves. I'm sure if you have children, you know this to be true. You'll do more for them than you do for yourself. That's the beauty of being human. That's the humane part of being human. That's what these holidays are really about. So as Martin Luther King has said, any man, any being, any human, Lesson found something they're willing to die for is not fit to live. That's pretty strong words. I don't know if that's a fair statement, but it's a good one. And I think that you found things to live for. I don't know if it's your mission. I don't know if it's your children, if it's for an intimate loved one. I don't know if it's for the business that you're creating, but I hope during this holiday season, my dearest prayer and my dearest invitation to you, my dear friend, is don't settle for just a holiday. Let this holiday and the beginning of a new year become a new year, a new life, a new level of mission, a new level of drive, a new level of hunger to be more, to do more, to give more, to share more, and to experience more of this gift of life. I send you my love and I hope for you only the greatest gift, the gift of challenge, the gift of growth, and the gift of unlimited insatiable hunger. You're listening to the Force for Good season of the Tony Robbins podcast. To learn more about the 10 gifts that we're featuring this holiday season, including emotion, drive, growth, joy, gratitude, connection, consciousness, grace, presence, and forgiveness, please visit www.tonyrobbins.com gifts, G-I-F-T-S. And to find Tony Robbins products and events that can help you identify your gifts, go to tonyrobbins.com shop, S-H-O-P. I was so confident. I mean, I was so strongly believing that I had to do this. And I was so confident that there is no failure here. Completely opposite of how I felt about myself, you know, about my life. That was an absolute certainty that I can't fail. I have to do it. I have to give these children a chance. That's Gabby Lozinger. 20 years ago in a slum in Kathmandu, Gabby made the decision to commit her life to serving others. As a Yugoslavian immigrant in Germany, Gabby grew up in extreme poverty and isolation. She got pregnant as a teenager, and her mother, who she desperately needed at the time, abandoned her. That experience of being abandoned and isolated was extremely painful, and it had lasting effects. I didn't feel loved. And the more I achieved in my work, which I thought, you know, that would heal my pain, I became more and more empty inside myself. And I constantly wanted to prove myself. I felt I didn't belong and I was not worth just living. You know, somehow these very dark thoughts came. Gabby had a hunger for love, a hunger to find meaning, and a hunger to achieve something in her life. She just wasn't sure what. 
She had a drive to find peace and relief and happiness inside herself, to find her soul and her true being. So she did as many people do when they're searching for more. She embarked on a spiritual journey, and after a brief trip to India, she found herself in Nepal. In Nepal, Gabby did everything she thought she needed to do in order to find enlightenment. She immersed herself in finding her own spirituality. She meditated with powerful monks on top of mountains. She did retreats at monasteries and met with shamans. But despite all of the beautiful experiences she had, she still hadn't found what she was looking for. She still felt empty and worthless. And she was frustrated. She had just about given up on herself and her journey in Nepal. But just three days before she was supposed to leave, something happened. She got lost in Kathmandu. And that's when everything changed. When I was really already giving up, I lost my way and I was just walking around Kathmandu. That was actually just a few days before I was supposed to fly back home. And then in the slums, I had an encounter with starving children. And that was such a magical moment when I really saw them. I mean, I have seen them before because there were so many around in the streets all the time, but I didn't realize they were there. And when I saw these children, well, something opened up, you know, life really cracked me up because I was thinking we can go to the moon, but is this supposed to be normal? There were three brothers on the street and they were really starving and they had wounds all over their heads. There were maggots inside, there, there were lice inside. So terrible, it, it really looked terrible. And they looked at me and they were not begging, they were just looking at me. And I felt so sorry because I could feel that they didn't want a bag and it, it was no dignity in that moment there for, for them, you know, from life, but love from my heart. And that was, that was really the moment we changed my life completely. Gabby wanted to do something to help them. But what? Not get on the plane? Forgo the safety and security of going back home to Germany and moving on with her life? To stay in Nepal with no resources and save these little boys? Gabby was a certainty-driven person, and the idea of staying in Nepal was extremely risky. But for the first time in her life, she didn't focus on the why not. She focused on the why. And in that, she found the drive, the courage, the hunger to stay. I thought, I just can't board that plane and sit there with a packet of peanuts and think, oh my God, you know, I feel so sorry for these poor ones, but what can I do? You know, because I'm so small, I'm so nobody, and I'm so worthless, so how can I do something? And I thought, no, you know, I make a choice now. I don't want to feel like that anymore. I don't want to feel bad anymore. I don't want to feel worthless anymore. I just want to make that choice that my life is good for something better. She looked for orphanages and schools she could take the boys to and eventually found them a place to stay. But a few days after dropping them off, she came back to find that their conditions in the home were disastrous, even worse than they were on the street. 
And then I thought, well, I need to look for a house now. I need to rent a house. And then we start somehow. <laughs> that was the beginning. Picture the absolute poorest, most destitute conditions imaginable in a developing country. The children who live in these conditions are the children who Gabby founded her Happy Children Orphanage for. These are children with no exit strategy that are condemned to a life on the streets, in child labor and bondage slavery. Children that are considered untouchable and impure by birth, and children that have been sexually abused and forced into child marriages. What started as taking care of three boys in a small rental property 20 years ago is now 200 children spread out between two locations. But the journey to getting to this point has not come easy. Gabby experienced tremendous challenges and setbacks, ones that would make anybody want to give up. She's been betrayed and had her money stolen by people she thought she could trust. She's almost been killed twice and has endured civil war. She survived a 7.8 magnitude earthquake in 2015, the deadliest in over 80 years, which devastated the capital of Kathmandu and caused landslides and avalanches in the Himalayas. And year after year, she chases down the 40,000 euro a month that she needs to keep the lights on. She hasn't taken a salary for herself in the entire 20 years she's been doing this. It's been Gabby's hunger to give more, be more, do more, and love more that has pushed her to keep going. When people betrayed me or extremely disappointed me, I didn't understand why all this happens because my simple belief was if you do good, the world is good to you. And I saw that the more I helped, the more challenges came up. And that was hard. And at the same time, I learned what real love and what real forgiveness is, at least for me. Because I was not deciding anymore who deserves help, who is eligible to it. I just always looked at everyone through the eyes of love. This is how it is still. This is why it is so dear to my heart. I really strongly believe that love made it all. Nothing else than, than actually love. Not, not even maybe strength, but love made it all. Gabby cares for all the kids, just like a mother would. She respects them, teaches them to demand respect, and, in turn, restores their dignity. She teaches them Tony Robbins' principles that she's learned over the years attending events, like Date with Destiny. She creates sustainable change and teaches them skills they need to have a career and succeed in life. Many of the children that she's raised have gone on to become doctors, psychologists, lawyers, and teachers. Champa is one of those children. Born to parents in bondage slavery, Champa had little chance of survival because of severe scoliosis that was squeezing her lungs. Champa had an extreme hunchback. When we have found her, it was life-threatening, so I had to find a solution because it was squeezing her lungs. And I found a possibility for an operation in Switzerland. There was a hospital here and they operated her for free. And really, they saved her life. And when she came out after 10 hours of operation, she could stand up. She was 20 centimeters taller. And that was such a beautiful moment that not only her life was saved, but she had a new identity. And it was beautiful, really, to see. 
she always wanted to be like me. And of course I thought, well, <laughs> that's not such a big deal because I didn't feel that I did so much in, in life so far. But she always said that you are my role model. And this is actually the way she lived her life, full of beautiful responsibility, full of beautiful love to the people. And this year she opened a school so she's the principal of a little Montessori school, up to class four at the moment only. But she just loves her work and she's saying, I am so happy and I'm so grateful that all this happened to me because now I can completely live a life full of meaning. That was very beautiful for me. And the three boys she saw in the slums of Kathmandu 20 years ago that inspired her to stay in Nepal in the first place? They are grown up, beautiful young men, very big-hearted, beautiful young men. One studied economics, one is a musician now, and the middle one is a graphic designer. And they are just very, very good people and really make me very proud. Through the years, she's found that one of the most profound impacts she's had on her children has been the importance of teaching and showing them the value of serving others and treating problems as gifts. Durga is another young lady that Gabby has cared for and is a perfect example of this. She was always very, very interested in, in the deeper meaning of things and very, very interested in spiritualism. And she has told me just recently, you know what, I'm so happy that I was poor. And she said, if I had not been born so poor, you would have never found me. And if you do not find me, I would never be the person I am today. She so much felt it in her heart that she's so grateful to God that her life started off so badly. And only because of that, she could be someone today. And she just loves her job with everything she learned in Happy Children. She loves to make people smile. She's one of our pillars for the next generation. I always say this work is so difficult and is so hard. I'm not just doing it to make people survive somehow, you know, or anyhow. I really, really would love to raise good people who are there for others. That was always my concept. And this is how the children also lived according to that. And when they came home with very good school marks, but they were not really there for their brothers and sisters, I mean, with their heart, then I said, I'm not so much interested in your school things. I'm interested in what your heart is thinking and doing. <laughs> and this is how they grew up. You're about to hear again from Ali Sion, who came to the U.S. without his parents at just 13 years old, barely speaking any English. As if the immigrant experience isn't difficult enough as it is, Al moved to Oklahoma, an extremely conservative state in middle America in the late 70s. Listen as Al describes his very first time in the U.S. after landing at JFK Airport en route to Oklahoma, where he experienced something that helped him realize that we're all here to do something great and to serve others but only if we open our hearts to it. 
September 29, 1978. I'm sitting in the JFK airport. I'm 13 years old. I'm traveling by myself from Iran. And it's about midnight. I missed my flight to Oklahoma City. I'm sitting there and, you know, every hour more people go. And I'm traveling with this huge suitcase with feta cheese in it. And it stinks. And I've got my other suitcase next to me. I'm sitting there. And I'm like, what the hell did I do? Traveled all the way from Iran. I'm stuck in this airport. I'm all by myself. About 3 o'clock in the morning, an Afghani guy, he works at the airport. And he says, what's going on? And I'm tough, right? Because I'm Armenian. I'm a minority in Iran. And all my life, I've learned that I got to be tough and I got to protect myself. In Farsi, I go, who the hell are you? And the guy with a gentle smile, he goes, oh, you know Farsi, I'm Afghani, I speak a little Farsi. So he starts talking to me. He goes, what happened? I said, well, you know, there wasn't enough time to make my flight. I missed my flight. I'm abandoned. I don't even know what to do. So this nice gentleman walks me through, takes me to a counter, gets me a hotel right at the airport. There's this inner knowing that all of us have that we're here to do something special. And in the way we talk to each other, and in the way we exist, we have a choice to acknowledge each other's greatness and our own. Because at the end of the day, I need you, and you need me. So much of our lives is about, I have to do this thing. I am insecure. I am alone. It's funny. All of us intellectually know that we're going to die someday. But we live our lives in this mean, what's in it for me? And what do I get out of this thing? And who the hell are you? And it's my family and it's my country. And all this separateness, it's so silly. Because you're all going to die someday. And so will I. So we're sort of like princesses in eternity. Depending on your belief, if you're religious or if you're not, you were born. All of you were born. We have that in common. One day, all of you have been born into this world. And one day you're going to die. What's in the middle is all a choice. So you're born, you live some time, you die, close the princesses. What are you doing? during your time. That question, what are you doing during your time, is a question that ultimately changed the course of Al's life. And soon he decided that his life would be about doing things. That is, doing things that make a difference. There's a quote by British politician and author James Oliver that struck a particular chord with him. The world is blessed most by men who do things and not by those who merely talk about them. Al went on to do incredible things in his career, all with the mission of doing good. But today, he's most focused on solving the world's looming agricultural crisis. Growing up as he did is what drove him to take action. In other words, he used his struggle to push him forward. For a long period of time, I would buy a 29-cent Wonder Bread sliced white bread and ketchup from fast food restaurants. So that whole experience with hunger is a major factor in what I've decided to do with this company. 
because as I see global population increasing and this disparity between the rich and poor increasingly getting wider, I felt that I should put my energies and my um, talents to ensuring food security. By the year 2030, so in just about 10 years, it's estimated that the world population is going to grow by another billion people. This means global agriculture must produce roughly 50% more food, even as the number of acres available for farming shrinks. At his company, Al leads a team of agronomists, computer vision scientists, big data engineers, and AI specialists to solve agricultural problems like weed infestation, water damage, equipment problems, weather-related challenges, insects, and diseases. But Al is not just driven to solve the hunger crisis. He's also committed to inspiring other young entrepreneurs to do social good. He mentors aspiring business owners and works with women in rural Armenia to help them start their own businesses. Al lives his life by a simple mantra, inspired by listening to Tony Robbins. It's one that we could all live by. Think big and serve bigger. The Tony Robbins Podcast is directed by Tony Robbins and produced by the Tony Robbins editorial team with audio editing and sound design by Jeremy Enns. Today's first guest was Gabby Lazinger, founder of Happy Children. To learn more about her work in Nepal, visit www.happy-children.de. Our second guest was Alice Ayan. If you're interested in learning more about Al's company, Intellinaire, visit www.intellinaire.com. Special thanks to TEDx Armenia for some of what you heard from Al.